Hello, chefs. This is Chef's PSA Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Natera. On today's episode, we're going to talk about compromising standards and how it's a slippery slope to having none. Stay tuned. This episode of Chef's PSA is sponsored by JNR Grills and Smokers. Many of you have heard of JNR Smokers and Grills that typically last for decades. I've had the pleasure of using them for over five years at one of the top restaurants in Austin. They're beautiful. They gave me the control over technique and the smoke-infused flavors I wanted. I'm thrilled to have JNR as a sponsor. Their commitment over the past 50 years speaks for itself. They understand your passion because it fuels them too, barbecue or upscale cuisine. They always help you deliver. They build everything in Texas and ship to all 50 states and over 50 countries. JR, they'll stand with you. They've always stood with me. Go to jrmanufacturing.com to learn more. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Before we get started, here's a brief update. I mentioned on the last episode, I finished writing the book, The 50 Most Important Chef's PSAs. Think of it as a continuation to the Line Cook Survival Manual and How Not to Be the Biggest Idiot in the Kitchen. There's some crossover with both of those books. It's done. It's free. You can find the link in the show notes. Go get it. If you've enjoyed the other books, I think you'll enjoy this one. It's along the same lines, and it's a good starting point. If you don't have any standards for your new cooks, boom, there, I wrote them for you. I could say all the things that you want to say that you can't, so you're welcome. If you want to support the show, make sure you leave five stars, subscribe on YouTube, hit the thumbs up button, share with a friend. And by the way, I got to tell you, I'm a little annoyed. I had a perfect five-star rating, and now I'm down to a 4.9 on Spotify. I just hit 500 five stars, or I should say there's a four in there somewhere. But thank you all. I appreciate the support. If you want to get the books, go to chefspsa.com. You can get the books, the merch, you can get this at Happy Chef. But we digress. On with the show. One of the biggest challenges I see people, executive chefs, chefs reaching out to me is how do they maintain the standards in their kitchen? It seems to be the most frequent thing I'm asked, especially by executive chefs or sous chefs. How do I deal with all this chaos that I'm experiencing and people not respecting me? or my standards in the kitchen. And I can tell you from experience, having standards is not a bad thing. It's become a little bit trendy, I've noticed, at least in conversations I've had with other chefs, is I've noticed this kind of freestyle, free-for-all kitchen management style where the recipes change, there's no specific set way on how to do things. Everyone marches to the beat of their own drum. Someone who worked at one restaurant does it this way. Someone who worked at another restaurant does it this way. They showed me in culinary school, I'm gonna do it this way. But when you have no standards, what I notice is that people default to the path of least resistance. No one ever says, let me make my job a little bit harder because I want it to be just a little bit more perfect, a little more soigné. The default setting on most people is to make it easier. They want to make it easier on them, which doesn't necessarily mean better for you or your guests. When I was a young executive chef, I loved being liked by everyone in the kitchen. I wanted to be everyone's favorite. I was a young chef. I wanted to cook good food. I could throw down in the kitchen and create beautiful things and I wanted everyone to like me. And I had this freestyle cooking approach where I would execute all the very difficult food, but I wouldn't really show anyone how to do it. 
because I thought it would be too difficult to train them. So I took on the majority of the work. One day I created this dish. I don't remember what it was, but it was complicated. And it was only for about 30 people. At the same time, I had a catering for about 800 people. And my boss came up to me and said, hey, who's going to execute this dish? It seems very complicated. The one for 20 people. I said, well, I'm going to do it. And he says, why are you going to do it? So, well, because no one else here knows how to do this level of food. And he said, don't you think that it's more important for the head chef to be making sure the big party goes well? And I argued that no one knew how to do this fancy dish that I had created and I needed to be there for the 20. And my boss, you know, he was a former chef. He comes up to me and he gets really close and he says, you're not in the little leagues anymore. I pay you to be the chef, not to be a cook. He says, you need to be at the big party and you need to teach someone how to do the other one. It was a lesson that I learned because I wanted to own everything. I didn't want anyone to learn anything. I didn't want to take the time to invest in people to train them to become better. I didn't really also have any standards. I had standards for myself that I wouldn't show anyone. Later on, fast forward a bit in my career, the kitchens where I had no standards, even though I could cook very well, I was not successful. My most success that I've ever achieved in a kitchen was the place where I had the most amount of standards. It was kind of the embryonic stages of Chef's PSA because it was everything. Fold your towels, cut your tape, set your cutting board up like this. Label has to go exactly right here on that line under the deli cup. Make sure everything is covered and aligned and straight. Only scrub the tables using a back and forth motion, then squeegee. It was a method of hierarchy on how I wanted everyone to clean. The language we used, callbacks, chef, loud. There were so many standards. This is how we fillet the salmon. This is how we fillet the fish. This is how we sear the fish. The brine is exactly this. Purees are done exactly this way. No boxes on the tables, no boxes in the kitchen. So many standards were introduced and the cooks loved it. Initially, I thought that I'd get a lot of pushback, but the more standards I introduced, the more they enjoyed working there. It was identifying the rules to the game. If you have two people playing a game, let's say they're playing chess, but you say it's a free-for-all and you can play however you want, no one's going to know how to win. But once you identify what the rules are to the game, then the game is beatable. The game is winnable. The same thing applies in the kitchen. When cooks and chefs know exactly what the expectations are, the expectations are clear. They know how to succeed in the kitchen. They know the path to promotion. They know what's expected of them when they arrive at work. And they know they're going to be held accountable when things are done that are counter to the culture and the workplace standards. And I say this often, how you work when no one is watching is even more important than how you work when people are watching. When the chef is in the room, everyone buttons up, everyone works a little different. But when the chef leaves, everyone operates a little different. Maybe the radio comes on. Maybe the magic chef juice comes out and the food gets better. Anyway, we digress. When I was a young cook, I was a sous chef and the line got smashed. Rail full of tickets, chaos, busy. Servers are running around pouring gasoline on themselves, lighting themselves on fire. And I needed to pump the food out. And I had to do this dessert. And I don't even remember what I did, but I know I didn't do it to standard. It was just for me at that point, it was just like sell the food, get it out. Customers need to eat. And I deliberately compromised the quality and deviated from the standard. Now, my chef saw me, he saw me out of the corner of his eyes, and he walked up to me and he says, you're better than that. I'm disappointed. And I'll never forget that. It was one of those moments where he didn't yell at me. He didn't embarrass me. He didn't scream. Just the simple fact that he said, I'm disappointed and you're better than that. My heart sunk because he was right. I knew I was breaking standard and I thought no one would see. And that was an important lesson for me. 
And it's important that you have someone on your team that is also holding you accountable because if you're the rule maker, you can't operate as Caesar is above the law. A rule for one is a rule for none, meaning if you're the chef and you're allowed to do this, but the cooks are not allowed to do that, what do you think happens as soon as you leave? If you say no one's allowed to eat the steak and then you go and eat a steak, guess what happens? And you say, no one's allowed to eat the steak. As soon as you leave, they're all eating steak. They're probably making more than just steaks, right? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Because the standard that you display is what the standard is. And if you as the chef cannot follow that standard, then it shouldn't be a standard. Because I promise you, they're all watching. And not only are they watching, but as soon as you step out the room, they're, they're talking about it. They're talking about you behind your back and saying, they tell us to do this. Meanwhile, they go do it. How, are they, how do they expect us to do that when I see them do it? It's a double standard. It cannot exist. So when you're going to implement standards, those standards cannot be compromised. And they can't be compromised when it's busy, and they can't be compromised when it's slow. And they can't be compromised when they're, you're short-staffed. Because the second that you start making exceptions is the second that the lines get blurred. And people don't know, well, is that really a standard, or is that only a standard when? Right? When are the exceptions to the rule? Now, if you're going to have an exception to the rule, I think it's important that you clearly outline what those exceptions are. So people don't say, well, you did it last time. Well, I did it last time because, and here's why it's the exception to the rule. Because if you don't articulate that, and if that's not written down, and if people don't understand, then it's a very slippery slope. Because there will be drift on the standard, and you'll stop paying attention to it, and you'll stop following up because as the chef, you get busy, and you forgot about it. And then you come back, and you notice what was the standard no longer resembles it at all. It's now drifted, and you got to pull it back in. Don't make it a standard if you can't hold yourself and your team accountable to it. Also, don't make standards that are not realistic. We all have lofty goals and we all want to be perfect. But if you can't introduce standards that everyone could do, there's no point in introducing them. Wait, wait till you get better. Wait till you get the resources that you need to make sure it is a standard. Because the more you compromise, the more people push. And if you're a chef leader, people love to test you and people love to push. And they're little pushes at the beginning. They're just going to do this and they're going to say, oh, chef didn't say anything. I'm going to push a little further. And if they know that they pushed you and you didn't say anything, they're going to move the line a little further and a little further and a little further. And before you know it, you're standing on the edge of chaos. And it's very difficult to come back from that because at that point, people realize there's no standards, it's chaos. They know there's also no consequences and you're not going to hold them accountable. And when it's chaos and there's no accountability, as they say, the fish stinks from the head. You're the chef, you're accountable. You have to answer for it. You have to answer for everybody. That's one of the things that people don't fully think about as the chef. 
you didn't do it. They did it, but you're responsible. You have responsibility and authority for the people that work under you. So if you're not holding them accountable, then you're condoning the behavior. It's a tough leadership lesson to learn. As a chef, you have to almost stay on fire all the time. You have to have a Hawkeye. You have to notice every single detail. You have to be inspecting the standards until they become autopilot for everybody. And when the standards do become the automatic default setting, that's when you really have greatness in your kitchen, when people know that this is the way it is and they don't have to be reminded. But it's not easy, as uh, Danny Meyer says in Setting the Table, constant gentle pressure. It's constant little adjustments. Adjusting this, making sure the chives are cut like that, the brunoise is perfect, the sear is this way, maybe a little too much oil in the pan, maybe it was too hot, you got to turn it down. That fancy little knob, that magic little thing that can adjust the heat, learn how to use it. But constantly tweaking and refining and making sure that people are able to execute your vision and your standard is your responsibility. It's not their responsibility if you're not holding them accountable. If you're not holding them accountable, they're not responsible for it. So you have to inspect what you expect and also expect what you expect. And when it's not done, you have to correct it. And I'm not talking about blowing up and getting mad at everyone. I'm talking about just simply going up and saying, hey, this is how we do it. Let me explain to you why, which is also a critical learning when trying to implement standards. You can't just say, do this because I said so. There has to be a why behind it. People learn with the why. I want you to fold your towels. Why do I need to fold my towel? Because if you don't fold your towels and you use it once, it's dirty, it's soiled. You only get three towels of service. And by folding them, your station stays tidy. You learn to work clean and you get an exponential amount of uses out of it. Boom. Now I understand the why. Now I will believe in it. Why do you cut the tape short? Well, because if you use a tape that's that long versus tape that's that long, if it's five times the length, it's also five times the cost. That's why you cut it short because everything's important in the kitchen. The decisions can't be arbitrary. There has to be a reasoning why behind it. Now, I'm not saying that decisions won't be arbitrary. There's going to be a couple that you say, I just like it that way. Why do we do that? Well, because chef just likes it that way. It's not necessarily the best reason, but it does happen. And if it does happen, then you need to explain, this is why I like it that way. It's personal preference and explain to them that it is, it is your personal preference. At least be transparent about why it is what it is, because they're going to say it anyway behind your back. It's better that they know the truth and you're able to admit it. And they could most likely get behind that. There's going to come a time when your standards have drifted and you got to get them back on track or you're coming into a new kitchen and you got to get them back on track. It's important to be upfront, transparent, and clearly outline what the standards are. But it starts with you. It starts with you holding yourself accountable. And then you hold one person accountable and you tell them you need to hold that person accountable. And little by little, that accountability starts to spread. I like to take an approach when talking to a group, I implement the standards with as much people so everyone could hear it. Because there's nothing worse than just telling one person what the new standard is and they don't tell anyone else. And they're saying, well, chef said, well, chef didn't tell me. Did chef really say that or are you saying that? And there's a little bit of friction between the two line level chefs. Is it true? Did you really say that as the chef? I don't know. Put yourself in their shoes. It's going to lead to more confusion. It's better to be direct, upfront, if you could document it, great. Make sure you outline exactly what all the standards are. And one of the last things I'll say is when a standard is not working, it's okay to say, you know what? That's no longer a standard. We've changed our mind on it. As they say, as the information changes or your experience with things change, you are allowed to change your mind. 
Don't get so dug in that something's a standard that you're not open to new ways, more efficient and better ways to do things. I often joke around, no one cares how you did it at your last job or school or whatever. But the truth of the matter is, is you're going to work with people that have good ideas that have come from other restaurants or other kitchens. And maybe they don't need to say it on the first day, but maybe you need to pick people's brains also and say, how did you do that? How did they do it there? Do you know of a more efficient way when someone comes to you and says, I have a more efficient way to do that? You need to make sure as the chef, you're creating an environment where people feel confident enough to bring up new ideas because that's how you're going to innovate. If you're in an environment that you've created where people are not comfortable bringing up new ideas, then you are the sole generator of ideas. And as I like to say, one of us is not better than all of us. Force multiplier if you're leveraging your entire team and the knowledge of everyone on the team. So don't be afraid to change the standard. I talked about earlier how I was most successful where I had the most amount of standards. And all those standards came from a group of different chefs that all had different backgrounds. We all got together in a room and we said, we need to open up something great and we want it to be special and we want it to be memorable and we want to have the best cooks. How do we do that? Everyone had different backgrounds from different restaurants. Some were coming from restaurants at the world's 50 best, Michelin three-star restaurants, one-star restaurants, or some were just from the good local restaurant. Now, me being the chef, I had to be the decider of what the standard was going to be. So two people may have had differing opinions on what the standard should have been. I had to exercise my 51% of the vote as the chef and say, you know what, I've heard you both. It's going to be a combination or it's going to be neither. It's going to be mine or, you know what, I like this one. We're going to go with that. And as I was selecting the standard, it was also important for me to know that that is a realistic standard for my kitchen because I didn't want to implement standards that were not realistic for the team, for the skill level, for the amount of people that we're managing or for the food that we were doing. You have to do some self-analysis and introspection to make sure that you're not putting yourself in a situation where you have so many standards, it prevents you from having a successful service. Balancing act. You're walking the razor's edge in order to become a great chef. And that's what people don't understand. I get a lot of questions. It's like, what's the right way to do this? Like, there is no right way. There's not a perfect answer for everything because what works in one kitchen doesn't necessarily work in another. It's not always a cookbook answer where the recipe always works. It ain't where you're from. It's where you're at. Anyway, compromising your standards is a slippery slope to having none. Don't compromise on your standards. Stay strong. If you want to support the show, you know what to do. Make sure you leave five stars, nothing less than five stars. Subscribe, like the video, share the video. Go to chefspsa.com. You get the books, the merch. I appreciate it. See you next week. Hit the porno music.